Tom Panos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm. Okay, he's in. John, how are you? You've just ruined my day. Now, now I've got a question. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast this morning when I was walking, which is part of my daily practice and daily ritual, and they have a sponsor. And they said, this is sponsored by XYZ. Why don't we have a sponsor? Are we not good enough to sponsor? Well, John, I'll tell you, we get asked, well, you don't, but I've been asked by a number of people, they're saying, listen, we'll give you um, some money. And are, are, are they throwing big dollars at us or is it uh, small numbers to start with? Well, well John, <laughs> um, I'll talk to you offline, but rest assured, we don't need business managers or accountants for this. <laughs> And of course, if we did receive any funds, we'd be dividing by two, not three. Is that right? Well, th- well, that's that's the thing. You see, Troy Malcolm's is interesting there. As you know, we're doing a bit of photo shooting here before we started today for promotional oh, purposes. Terrible. And Troy Malcolm somehow finds himself for the first time ever. He's always opposite us, but right at the moment, he was. In when the absolute... cameras are rolling, he's sidling up right on side us. So, Tommy, I think we need to. We should be looking for a sponsor, surely. Yeah. Well, John, I'm mean, um, sure the listeners get what they pay for, which is, of course, nothing or free, but. There's got to be someone that sees us worthy of a few pennies. Well, let's put it out there anyway. It's just been done. <laughs> um, but the good, the good news is, John, that we did get... Uh, and we're going to it was do Tim a, Ferriss. I was listening Tim. to Tim Ferriss. And all our listeners out there in, in Million Dollar Agent World, if you don't download Tim Ferriss' podcast, you're missing a lot. He is awesome. Uh, he was talking to Tony Robbins when I was listening this morning, and he's got some incredible... Uh, Incredible uh, activity, so really uh, worthwhile doing. So, John, Tim Ferriss, the four-hour... Four-hour work week. Okay. Is he uh, confirmed? Oh, he's coming to ARIC? Yeah, he's coming to ARIC too, but that's kind of by the by. But, yeah, he'll be coming to ARIC, so we'll let everyone know as we go forward. But he's just awesome. Basically, for those that don't know Tim Ferriss, he wrote a book called The Four-Hour Work Week, which is he wanted to find a way where he could live his dream life and he could do it in four hours by delegating everything else out and outsourcing stuff to people. And he's written this book that ended up you know, for, for months on the New York bestsellers list. And he's made himself a fortune. And, and now one of the things he does is he listens to, uh, he creates podcasts, you know, I think they're kind of weekly or something, but really good. And, and he, had, he had, there was something he was saying, and he had, I mean, admittedly, he does have several million uh, listeners, so he's got a few more than you and I, but you know, we're getting there. But John, um, he's, he's outstanding. I listened to his podcast last week. He interviewed Anthony Robbins. Over, That's uh, the one I listened to, yeah. yeah. Outstanding. And one of the things that Anthony Robbins said about uh, Tim Ferriss is that Tim gets a subject and he drills down, does experiments on it. He masters the subject, which is not what a lot of people do. A lot of people will talk about the fluffy or the sugar part of a subject. Yes. But Tim Ferriss is the sort of person, if anyone that's read his books, knows that this guy goes very scientific, drills down, looks at the detail. And I think that we're blessed to have this guy. And I'm, I don't want to take credit for this, John, but I actually recall sitting in your office throwing names about Yeah, yeah, no, no. You said it wouldn't guy, it be great to have Tim Ferriss. Yeah. And, and we do, but that's how this podcast started. Someone has a good idea, and then if you don't care who owns it, let's just do something about it. So you're right. Um, and uh, now he's going to be on the ticket. So anyway, between Tim Ferriss coming to Eric and us putting it out there, maybe we'll get a sponsor. Even if we pay, you know, I don't know, 100 bucks or something a year. Is that too much? Probably you're right, too much. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, we're going we're gonna to do Q&As. We've got so many uh, questions, and I want to thank our listeners for sending them in. And I also... Um, I get John when I read these questions and hear people like some of the comments and I know that 
you aren't on social media as much as I am, so you don't see the daily comments. We are as a company, but yeah, I'm personally not. John, a lot of people are actually saying this is now uh, part of their their staple real estate diet, this real estate podcast. I I love the Q&A because this is the real deal. This is people's real life issues in the market today that are listening to us and saying, yeah, okay, they're getting some good feedback, hopefully, but what is their real question? So when you gave me this list, I think we got look, we've got 15 or 16 questions, which we might get through a few today if we shut up. We'll, yeah. get, to, we'll get one eventually, but um, no, we love them, so just keep sending them in. You send them to your website, right? Beautiful. Tom Panos? Yep, Tom, uh, Tom Panos. Oh, TomPanos.com.au. Just go to the Million Dollar Agent uh, page there, or you can just send me the email on the contact list. Oh, John, I want to go to this, the, the first one here because I think this one's relevant. I think that there is a lot of stock on the market. I think the dynamics might change a little bit. There's still a big appetite from buyers, but that excess stock means that good agents are having crucial conversations all the time, right from day one. Here's a question that's come in. Um, we are expecting a shift in the market. What advice would you give an agent um, that has only experienced a seller's market? Also, do you think properties will benefit from private treaty now that there's a lot more stock on the market for buyers to choose from? So this is a question that pretty much is covering the fact that there's an abundance of listings and it's changing a little bit in some markets. First thing that's come to mind is what I love about these Q&A, and and you know, the listeners don't know, you and I don't discuss these at all. We just turn up and we chat because that's what we think is the authentic kind of way to do it. And because we're probably lazy, who knows? But I, I think part I think, one was better. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's a great question. First thing that comes to mind for me, we just spoke about Ferris and mastery. I want every listener, every agent out there to get to a point where what the market does is irrelevant to them because they're in control when they're at a listing, they're listing it at market value and they're having vendors understand that market value fluctuates from time to time and the market will determine what it's worth rather than locking themselves into a high valuation or three months ago valuation. So I've said this before, perhaps even on this podcast, Tommy, or on stage, where where Wayne Vaughan, one of our top agents, and he's a fantastic guy, when I said to Wayne in the middle of the GFC, how are you dealing with stuff? He was our number one agent and still is or close to it right now. And Wayne said, John, you know, in a lot of ways, I hope this market never changes because he said right now, this is a market for experienced, professional, high quality agents. And the people that were selling anything during the boom, now they're like running into trouble. So he said, I actually am very, very happy. So a professional's view is the tougher the market that gets, the more valuable their services are in the market. So I think if you're listening out there, let's get to a point where what the market does week to week, month to month, year to year is irrelevant. If we go through a second GFC, which we're highly unlikely to do, but if we do, that doesn't really matter. You can continue to grow your earnings during that. So when you think about it, Tom, the industry will come back to basics, prospect, list, sell. People, even during a GFC, will continue to have to sell. Maybe slightly different circumstances, they have to sell. So what is your prospecting plan like? So whoever wrote the question, I'm saying, irrespective of what the market's doing, you need a world best prospecting. And as Phil Harris talks about, and Phil, we know Phil's listening, and Sarah and all our friends down at I'll Harris Real Estate. I'll be 48 hours. Too. There you go. Well, they're, they're some of the best in the country. And and Phil always talks about, you know, you need a one or two hour prospecting plan a day. You need a listing presentation that lands you, you know, 90% of the listings you go for. And you need a sales strategy that gets most of your listings sold in 28 to 30 days. And that's really, that's just an evolution of what you and I have been saying to our, our, our sort of audiences for years. Keep it very, very simple. So don't worry if the market shifts. Just worry about what you're doing because the market's really between your ears. 
at any point in time, irrespective of what the market's doing, there are buyers for your properties. Now, of course, prices will go up and prices will come down, but at any given point, if your property is positioned at fair market on that day or in that market, it's going to sell. So I think this is really crucial, and, and I don't want to sound like I'm giving a complex answer for a simple question, but if you get this concept of the market is always inside your head and controlled by you, you don't have to worry about what the economy does. You've always said there's two markets, haven't you, John? You've always Inner market said... and outer. Well, Fred Gross taught us that years ago, that the inner market, the one between your ears, which is stuff you control 100%, is critical. The outer market, which is the economy, the Dow Jones index, the weather, your competitors, that you have zero control, is irrelevant to you. And none of your business, to be quite honest. So, uh, yeah, you know, we, we talk about that. So I think, you know, you, but you're right. I, I love the, the point where they said some agents, if they've joined the market in the last two years, have only seen in most parts of Australia a very strong market. If you joined the market four or five years ago, you've been through both. You've been through what would have been considered a tough economy. And, of course, now, if you're in Sydney and Melbourne in particular, you'll be finding, uh, you know, it's been a very, very good economy for selling houses. So, you know, I think just take control, look for mastery, take the Tim Ferriss approach of really looking to master your skills most agents that I talk to, Tom, they still have a five or six out of ten listing presentation. That's their own admission. They're a self-rating. I think, to be honest, if they really did one in front of a world-class lister, that's probably the real number is three or four. So you just got to work on it. And if you can have a nine out of ten world-class listing presentation, a daily one to two hours a day prospecting, and a great sales, marketing, and negotiation strategy, it's kind of an irrelevant, irrelevant John, question. The second part of that question, um, and do you think properties now that there's more on the market will benefit out of private treaty versus auction? The things that came to my mind is that whether a property goes to auction or not has a lot to do with the kind of property, the location, and the vendor's comfort level at that process. With auction, right. With auction. And less to do about you know whether the market's booming or not because what we know is that if you worry about the process generally the proceeds will come that's 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 the issue have you got a view on when there's a lot more properties on the market do you deviate from one method to another no look i, uh, I don't deviate much i think we always we're always fine tuning and i agree with you that at the end of the day the vendor has to be comfortable with the process that you're recommending to a point where they say okay i'm happy to run with your suggestion if they're doing it begrudgingly or if they're doing it with great nervous energy around it, it's probably not going to work. But um, I think that auction works in most markets for most properties. It, mar- it works particularly well if the market's a bit stronger, so if it's more of a seller's market, obviously. It also works particularly well, I think, if you've got a property that's a little bit left of centre, a little bit different, a bit unique. Um, but generally speaking, my view is, I think our, our statistics, Troy might know here, but I think it's like 60% of our properties are going to auction and about 40% are private treaty. I think for most offices, that, that 60 or 70% auction is probably a healthy. Yeah. If you said I'm 95% auction, uh, I'm, I'm concerned that maybe you're trying to push every you know, listing into the auction process and maybe not every listing should go down that way. But I think if you said you're 20% auction, I think you're missing out on opportunity because auction is undoubtedly the most effective method of getting top price for any property in the world today residentially. Mm. I think it's better than tender, it's better than private treaty, it's better than expressions of interest um, in, in probably seven, eight, nine out of ten instances. Oh, yeah. I think we talk about attraction agent, I think auction's attraction vendor. It makes that vendor the attractive vendor in a particular month in a marketplace. Yeah, it does. 
John, let's move on to our next question. This has come in. Um, I'm finding that there is a real lack of young real estate agents wanting to put the hard yards in and make this a career for the future. What's your advice to them? As soon as you say you'll start making good money in five years, they run. What's your view, John? Was that sent by my sales manager? Uh, actually, <laughs> I'm not going to say you, tell you the person it's come in from, but I can assure you, uh, whoever you are, is whether, whether you're referring to Matt LaHood or that, it hasn't come in from it hasn't I'm come only, in from McGrath. I'm only joking. It? If Matt LaHood heard that, I'm only joking. Or no, it's come in from someone I know in Sydney, um, and I want to intriguing. Yeah, what do, what do you think, John? Do you think young? It's people, a good point. No, look, it's a good point. Um, I think a lot of people see real estate, especially in markets that are strong like this at the moment in many parts of Australia, as a very glamorous industry. You know, it's fancy cars and, you know, sort of it looks like on the surface. And a lot of people don't realise that the agents that have got to the top have put the hard yards in. They've, they've studied hard, they've mastered, again I'll use the word mastered the skill, and they've put in the effort to, to hone their skills, you know, every listing appointment, prospecting calls, it's always about getting better and better. It is easy for someone to come in and think it looks pretty easy. Because if you squint, don't look too hard at the detail or peek behind the curtains. Real estate does look pretty simple. So all you got to do is find someone who wants to sell a house, sign them up, then get a buyer, sign them up, and then you get 2 or 3% commission. That seems like an easy... Well, we know it's highly competitive. We know there's a lot of rejection involved in real estate. Yeah. We know the hours generally are pretty long because people want to see you when they want to see you often. And it's often at 7 or 8 o'clock at night after they've finished their day's work. Um, you know, we know there's, there's a number of things in real estate that are not as obvious when you look at it for the first time. So I think for young people, um, don't get into real estate because you think it's necessarily glamorous or it's easy because it's really about, my view is it's about building communities, becoming the best and helping people realise their real estate goals, whether they're a buyer or a seller, first homeowner, downsizer, empty nester, that's what it's about and that has to be done perfectly because this is a lot of money at stake and if you go about something and you're not that proficient or if you try and cut corners, you can cost a client fifty dollars or $100,000 in this industry. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's a very noble industry. You need to be in it for the right reason. There are no shortcuts to anywhere worth, worthwhile going, as they say. Um, and I think you've just got to, you've got to really work hard and don't fool yourself that this is easy. So as a principal, was that a principal that wrote that or a sales that manager is, or someone? That uh, is, I would call him a principal. He's a principal. He's okay. the owner. So I think you've got to have that conversation with your team. You've got to talk them through the rewards that await for you in this industry if you get it right. And getting it right is not just turning up and giving it a go. Getting it right is drilling into the detail perfecting and mastering your skill just like a neurosurgeon would perfect their skill or an architect would perfect their skill or a great barrister. All these professions, people work very hard to become the best and to get that really heightened sense of excellence. You've got to do that in real estate. It's not about turning up. John, you've always been a hire for attitude, train for skill recruiter when you're recruiting, aren't you? Like for mm-hmm. you, you've always, if the, if the uh, want is there, the what and how show up. It might not show up in the first six months, but the actual process shows up as long as the want is there by the person. That's what you're really looking for, isn't it? Yeah, look, yeah, it's, I think it's much easier to teach someone the skills of a listing and what to say at a prospecting call than it is to teach someone that they should be hungry and excited and love serving and be passionate and energetic. That sort of stuff, by the time they reach us or we come in contact with them, they've created a certain life habit. And you know, can you change that? Of course, you can change anything, we know that. But 
from a principal's point of view, I'd rather put my effort into giving a really energised, excited, enthusiastic, passionate person with great integrity so they've got all the basic human skills that we think are so critical. I'd rather teach them the way to approach, how to listen better, how to present your offer, how to deal with someone that wants to reduce your fees. Those things are relatively easy. But you've got to have the right attitude there. So but it's a great question. For principals listening in the room, I'm sure most have had some level of frustration where they've seen someone with amazing potential, but they get a bit complacent or arrogant or cocky or they think, you know, this is kind of a bit easy and they just never realise their potential. And I've seen hundreds of those people, Tom, in our company, out of our company, in the industry as you have over the years. So, you know, you've got to treat this as a very important profession and, and I, I would encourage everyone to be world best. We, uh, as we finish off, because uh, Troy's doing his job perfectly today. And he's Only given two us, questions. He's given us the signal that we're over the 15-minute mark and under the 20-minute mark, which we know is... That's, that's quality time on podcasts, isn't it, Troy? He's we done. must have a quick one there, a third quick one. Okay, let's do the third quick one. Absolutely. So, John, see, John has overruled Troy Malcolm. John, if it was your first week in real estate, this is a nice short one, what would you be doing and what would your day look like if it was your first week in real estate also what keeps you going through the tough times so this is it gets longer so can we try and do this one in in two to three minutes john if this was your first if john so McGraw was first thing john i do is tom we talk about ideal week i'd make sure i had one right. i'd understand the concept i'd talk to someone so the concept of ideal week is work out the most important things to do and put them in your diary before you allow another appointment in very critical second thing is prospect list sell are the key areas so make sure they are part of your ideal week and make sure they go in just like an open for inspection would or an auction would. Third thing, and I know this is, you know, first week, I'd be finding every great agent I could um, and I'd be finding a way to get into their diary, have a coffee with them, uh, visit open for inspections with them, attend auctions with them, anything you can. There is nothing like learning from someone that's in momentum or flow, yeah. that's, that's got that level of genius and excellence that you're aspiring to. Just by, and that was one of my great gifts when I started off. I, I worked with a guy called John O'Brien, who's since passed away. But he was just, he had magic in his fingers when he, when he looked at something and he went to a listing presentation. He was very left of centre, but there was something about, and, and I got to observe that. Yeah. And, I, and hopefully in my own style and way, I was able to replicate some of that as I started my real estate career, which helped me get into momentum. So I think that's really critical. On the, on the other thing, how do you keep going? You talked before a minute ago, Tom, you know, in tough times, it's your why. What gets you out of bed every morning? It's not to pick up a paycheck. It's not because, you know, just you have to. It should be what is driving you. And, and funny enough, on the, the Tim Ferriss, Tony Robbins tape that you and I were talking about, he talks about when people lose their momentum and, and they, they seem to go flat, it's often because they've run out of vision or they've achieved their goals yeah. and all of a sudden they haven't put new goals in place. So it feels like... There's no point. So I think the thing is to have some really huge goals that inspire you every day, and not just around real estate, about other things that you can do, being part of the real estate industry, and community is a great one. So yeah, that would be the thing I'd be looking towards. I'd be really uh, making sure I had my goals in place, my ideal week in place, my prospecting plan in place, then I'd just go and hang out with some really great achievers for the first few weeks. John, I think those three brilliant answers that you gave there could apply to an agent that has been in the business for 20 years. Because I think if you wake up and you've got a reason for what you're doing, 
and you need it. You need to be starting work in your 20th year like it's your first year in real estate and when you make passion your paycheck, everything seems to flow. We talk, Tom, as you know, about new business energy and, and I was talking to some of my guys recently and they'd lost a bit of market share and I said, what's happened? And they said, this other company had opened. I said, here's the deal. I'll guarantee you, you're better than other company and that other sales team, but here's the problem. They have new business energy. They're operating like they're hungry as hell. It's their first week on the job yeah. and they're going hard for every listing and they're showing that enthusiasm and passion in everything you do. You've been here market leader for 10 years and all of a sudden you're probably acting like market leader for 10 years. Yeah. So it's, you, know, you can have new business energy, you're right. Whether you've been in the industry 32 years or you've been in it for three weeks, you can, it's all about the energy you bring to everything. So Beautiful. hopefully that's good. Don't forget us, sponsors there, throw, throw checks down the... Down the, well, I don't know, where would you send the check? Oh, well, we, have no, we have no, Who no knows? fixed we address. Might, we, we might actually appoint some uh, senior accountants in the city to manage all this. <laughs> we have <laughs> no fixed address, so I, I get, we'll keep your money and just keep listening. Thank you, guys and girls. We'll see you next week. See you later.